I'm Jared. And I'm Eric. And you are listening to the Ascend Podcast, where college and university leaders, thinkers, and innovators come to learn practical and proven strategies for improving retention rates, graduation rates, and overall student success. Are you ready? Let's go. And uh, welcome back to another edition of the Ascend Podcast. I'm Jared. Have with me today Eric, as always, and we are excited for today's episode where we're going to talk about one of the more important aspects of improving retention and graduation rates on campus, and that is shifting the culture on campus. How on earth do you shift the culture? And in fact, Eric, as we go out talking with other institutions, this is probably the topic that dominates the majority of our conversations. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think is, as we've noted in other episodes, that there may not be a, a silver bullet, if you will, or a magical one, one bullet. This is as close as you can come to the most important thing you can do on campus to, to begin the shift to a retention-focused campus. Yeah, one of the things we hear a lot is, you know, people on our campus are really student-first or student-focused. The thing that we notice, though, is that institutions aren't always student-first or student-focused. And so shifting the culture is, is really important in that process. So what we want to do to, in today's episode is share a model or a framework that we like to share with other institutions and what we used on our campus for how do you shift the culture of a campus to become that institution first focus. And the framework that we use comes from Harvard professor, I think he's actually in the Kennedy School of Business, um, John Cotter, and he has a really famous book called Leading Change. And in that book, he outlines eight easy to follow steps in this model for creating change on campus. So Eric, tell us real quick um, the eight steps, and then how about we go through them one at a time, uh, talking a little bit more in more detail about them. Yeah, so step one is establish a sense of urgency. Step two, create a guiding coalition. Step three is develop a vision and strategy. Step four, communicate the change vision. Step five is empower broad-based action. Step six, generate short-term wins. Step seven, consolidate gains and produce more change. And step eight, anchor new approaches in the culture. Now, that sounds pretty confusing, so let's actually start breaking these down. Jared, let's start with step one, establishing a sense of urgency. Walk us through a little bit about step one. Well, I love what Cotter says in his book about how urgency um, is often the catalyst for getting things going on campus. It's really hard to get people excited or bought in or moving along unless there's some big question or challenge or problem we're trying to solve. And I think um, we have a problem in America, higher, American higher education, right? We've got retention issues, graduation issues, student, uh, student apathy issues. We definitely have the crisis, so that's not hard. You don't have to manufacture that. But without some sort of crisis or some sort of urgency, then complacency can tend to creep in. And so it's really important that leaders articulate that need for the change. Uh, otherwise, nothing is going to happen. And so by creating that readiness, as he talks about, we are able to help people see the big picture and why we're going to do it. So then that goes to step two, which is then after they understand why we're doing this, the crisis, you create a guiding coalition. So Eric, talk about that one. Yeah, in step two, it's really important to understand that 
we're using that phrase guiding coalition. This is not a committee. This is not a task force. Uh, committees and task force can often be pretty slow, political, and take too long to really bring about long-term or, or even short-term gains that, that may be needed for retention efforts. So in finding and creating this guiding coalition, it's important that you're going to find individuals who have the respect, power, leadership to actually begin to lead the change. You're going to want to find uh, members who will follow um, along as the change is implemented. That's really important in this guiding coalition. Most of the work is going to be done in the small group of, of this guiding coalition. Uh, so keep it small. Keep it involved with, with individuals that are, are going to get after it, those who are invested, those who want to see us succeed. Don't get your retention efforts bogged down into slow-moving committees uh, or task force at this stage in the game. The, that leads us to the third step, which is develop a vision and strategy after you've done these first two. Jared, walk us through that one. Yeah, step three, Cotter says, is to develop a vision and a strategy. And it's really important that this guiding coalition and that the leadership of this change you're trying to implement get together and have uh, develop a vision of where we're going and how we're going to get there, this strategy. It's crucial that this leadership team and that the leader can get people to buy into this vision for change. Otherwise, you're going to run into um, a lot of apathy. Now, one of the things when we talk about developing this vision and change is that you'll never get everyone to buy into it, right? There will be some early adopters and those who are always open for moving things forward. There'll be a big group that will come along and then there will always be a small portion of your group that won't ever really want to come along and that's okay. Um, it's just important that you develop this vision and share it with all the participants and make sure that this vision is direct and that it will inspire. A good vision really will guide all the decisions moving forward. So step four is then once you have that vision is to communicate it. Yeah, communicate uh, the change vision. And this is really important. A couple of key points here to keep in mind as you're communicating the, the vision to others. One is you need the vision to be pretty succinct and short. If you can't communicate this vision in, in a minute or so at most, it's way too complicated. You've got you to have this concise and ready to go. The second thing is to understand that leaders cannot over communicate the vision. This needs to be a part of your regular meetings, your regular communication plan, an ongoing effort to remind the team, remind these individuals of what the vision is, what it is about, and why you're doing it. The, the third thing to keep in mind is that you, every member of the organization that, that is being impacted by this vision needs to understand the why and the purpose for the change. A vision just to have a vision is pointless if there is no why or purpose behind what you're trying to do. So make sure that that is a part of it and use every communication method, a medium, if you will, that you have available to you to, com to communicate this vision to your team and to outside sources if needed. That then leads to step five, which is empower broad-based action. Yeah, so after, as we continue to communicate it, we have to empower the action. We have to move things forward. One of the things that is we worked on changing and shifting the culture on our campus was to try to remove those obstacles that get in the way. And those obstacles may be policies or processes or the quote-unquote the way we do things around here. Sometimes we have to make some shifts there. There also may be human obstacles, meaning people on your team that 
aren't as excited about the change. And I remember when we were going through this process uh, early in uh, early in our days of doing this, we had very candid conversations with members of our team to say simply, look, this is the direction we're going. And if it doesn't fit into your career goals or into your um, approach for doing things, then we'll work with you to find a different opportunity, either on campus or in the field somewhere. And and we absolutely had some staff members who self-selected out, um, but the majority got really excited about where we're going with this. So uh, creating that environment where people feel comfortable to try new ideas, to take risks. We talk to our staff a lot about how, look, everything, we can correct course on everything. Nothing is, is unfixable. As long as you don't give scholarships away to every student on campus, everything else we can, we can overcome and work through. Um, but it's important as we're empowering that broad-based action um, to be careful because team members may feel disempowered when they don't see their leaders doing all they can do to remove those obstacles and to move things forward for the change. So um, it's an all hands on deck approach. So step six then is to generate some short term wins along the way. Yeah, and this is actually one of my favorite steps. And I think this is one of the most important things. If your goal is to improve retention, do not wait for that yearly number to come out to celebrate. There are so many short term wins that you can celebrate on a weekly, every other week basis that helps reinforce the culture, reinforce the vision, reinforce the changes that you're trying to make. You could celebrate increasing appointments from two to three per week. You could celebrate the way communication has improved. There are so many things on a campus that you can celebrate. So do not wait for the end result to be shown. Celebrate the short-term gains and wins along the way. Reinforces culture, keeps morale up, keeps the eye on the prize and keeps the team moving forward. That leads then to step number seven, which is consolidate gains and produce more change. Yeah, so with these small wins along the way, we collect them together to create the overall effect or the overall change. And organization members are going to see some of this progress coming along. And it's those things that will motivate them to continue to move toward additional change. And one thing that is really important is that change needs to be seen as a process and not as an event. Sometimes I think we say, oh, this is um, what we're trying to accomplish, this goal. But remember, the goal is to shift culture, the culture of the organization, not to achieve a particular um, a particular metric or, a, or an outcome. The outcome is the new culture that exists in the organization. So everyone, they have to give that a, you know, this takes time, this takes effort. You won't shift culture overnight, but consolidating these short-term wins along the way, these gains ultimately lead to long-lasting change, which is step eight of anchoring the new culture or the new approaches that you've outlined into your culture. So Eric, talk about how do you cement that? Yeah, this is this is the end cap, if you will. This is the last step and anchoring the new approaches into the culture is crucial. If the changes are not anchored into the culture, it will always revert back to the way it previously was. And so leaders along the way need to point out a lot of the beneficial changes a lot of the, the key wins, both short and long-term wins that have happened, the consolidating the gains, kind of recapping the first seven steps along the way into this anchor. There's a lot of ways this can be done. You can begin the meeting. Every meeting that you hold, you can talk about key anchors, about success stories, about victories, about 
increases in particular uh, data points. All of that are ways you can anchor back into the culture. The questions you ask are another way that will anchor back into the culture. What you prioritize in, in meetings or on agendas, all of these are simple and subtle ways to anchor back into what you're trying to accomplish. If you do not master that point, all your previous steps and gains will be lost in the long run. You've got to think long term that you're trying to build a culture that will survive the next hires, that will survive the next wave of whatever. And in order to do that, these eight steps capped with this anchoring in are absolutely crucial. Yeah. So, Eric, as we have outlined these eight steps, one of the questions we get when we visit with other organizations, well, there are a couple of questions and we won't go into a lot of detail about this. Um, but let me um, let me ask this question that we often get to you. And that is, so how long does this take? Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think it's important to understand that this is not a one week or one month fix. Shifting a culture, especially a culture on campus, can take years. And we've seen that in, in at our uh, not firm, our college, in that some of the areas it's taken a couple of years to continually anchor back and, and repeat. But we're, we're reaping the benefits of, of this ongoing effort and continuous focus. Some organizations that we've, we've developed and created from scratch, it can happen a lot sooner. Our peer mentoring program and other things like that, because that culture is incorporated into the, into the way we do things right out of the gate. So be patient with yourself. Understand it can take a while. Don't give up, but be ready for the long haul. Culture is not an easy thing to shift, especially overnight. Yeah, it, it has, it's a long, ongoing process. Um, and I think over these steps, the, one of the things that's really important to me is constantly sharing the vision. I think about when I bring the division together for meetings and things like that, we still, six, seven, eight years later, are still talking about the vision, where we're going, what we're all about, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, I think people on our team sometimes smile and have this stuff memorized right along with me, but that's okay. That's what it's about, cementing the vision into the minds and hearts of the people. One of the other things we get asked a lot when we go out and visit with schools is, so I, this, I hear the theory, but what is it like in practice? And so um, one of the things we will do is share some of the examples we've, we've uh, gone through with some of our organizations. And in fact, we do that in our book where we talk a lot about how we put the theory into practice. And so uh, individuals who are maybe interested in putting theory to practice um, could learn more about that in our book. Yeah, and also we, we're always available. We, we consult with institutions across the nation to help walk them through these steps and actually show the, the daily, weekly, monthly application uh, based on, on the issues they're facing in the organization they're trying to change. Yeah. Well, that was fun to kind of reminisce and think through some of those steps that we have been through on our campus and worked with other schools to help accomplish. And uh, we'll be back with some more levers here in future episodes. Okay. See you soon. You've been listening to the Ascend podcast. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, we hope you'll give us a like on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review. We also would invite you to connect with us on LinkedIn by simply searching for us, Jared Tippett and Eric Kirby, where we would love to continue discussing today's topic with you. And for more practical and proven strategies, just like the one you learned about today, check out our book, Ascend to Higher Retention Rates, Practical Strategies for Increasing Student Retention, Completion, and Student Success which can be purchased on Amazon.com 
or on our website, www.tippetskirby.com. We'll be back again soon with another podcast. Until then, keep on raging.